views expressed on this program are those of the hosts, guests, and callers, and are not necessarily those of this station, its management, or other advertisers. You're listening to Transformation Talk Radio. This show's audio was via a Skype call. Welcome to the Dr. Pat Show. Talk radio to thrive by. Powerful, inspiring, and coming to you live, bringing you stories of people like you and me, busting through and living life full out. Get ready to dare to wonder what your life would be like if you knew you could not fail. Hey, everybody. Welcome. Welcome to our good news segment. You know what? It is the holiday season. Now, how many of you are out there wondering, you know, how am I going to save some money here and there? I know I want to be generous. I know I want to be out there. But what is it I should know? That's why Kevin Condon is joining me here today, uh, Preferred Rewards Executive, Bank of America. And we're going to be talking about what do we do? Can we save money? What are some tips? Can we earn and give back? all of the above, and maybe a pumpkin pie recipe. I'm not sure. Kevin, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Dr. Pat. Um, you know, it's interesting because this is the time of year, and I must say that people are mindful of where they are, what they do, and how to get the best deal. But there are a lot of things we don't consider, and that's why you're here today to give us a little help in this area. Why is this so important, you know, from your personal perspective? You know, Dr. Pat, it's from my perspective, companies like loyal customers, and they're willing to reward you for doing that. And a lot of people don't take advantage of those loyalty and rewards programs that exist out there. So the holidays are a great time of year to take a step back and think about how you spend your dollars and what are the categories of your major spending and then pick your favorite brands or companies in those categories and stick with them. For example, if you have some travel over the holidays and you have some travel plans next year, stay at the same hotel chain when you're doing so and make sure you participate in that hotel's loyalty program. You increase the likelihood of moving up to elite member status, and you get great benefits when you do so, like free Wi-Fi, room upgrades, and late, late checkout, which can really help with your traveling. You can also consolidate your finances with one provider to increase your rewards. For example, if you combine your finances at my bank, Bank of America, you might be eligible to receive special benefits with our preferred rewards program. As your savings and investment balances grow, so does the level of your program benefits, including getting your fees waived on everyday banking services and your checking account. You can increase your credit card rewards up to 75%, and you can get interest rate discounts on home or auto loans, all by consolidating your finances with one institution. The last thing we think is a great thing to do is to take stock of now and to take advantage of next year is what we call layering your rewards programs. So for example, when you're booking travel, like we talked about, make sure you include that frequent flyer number from your airline program and that hotel loyalty program number when you book it. When you make that purchase, make sure you're making it with a credit card that gives you rewards. There's lots of great rewards cards out there. You can use rewards uh, that give you cash back, like the Bank of America Cash Rewards card, or you can use a travel rewards card where you get points that you can redeem against your travel expenses. 
And then if you enroll in that preferred rewards program, those rewards that you get for your credit card can be multiplied even further. So those three layers of benefits, the savings can really add up and it's all on your everyday purchases. Well, you know, as uh, you know, as someone here that's the host of the Dr. Pacho and Transformation Talk Radio owner, the thing that I love, and we've been doing it since day one, um, is we look at ways to give back. You know, from the very first show I did 14 years ago, we started to give away books, and we've been doing it every show. Isn't this also a way to earn rewards and give back? That's a fantastic point, Dr. Pat. And this is a great time of year when many people are thinking about ways to give back. And many special holiday shopping events give you that opportunity and you can do good while you're still doing well by getting the rewards on, on those purchases that we talked about. For example, the red shopathon on amazon.com yeah. Yeah. is focused on raising, it's focused on raising awareness and increasing funds in the fight against AIDS. It's a holiday shopping spree that features tons of red products. They're literally red in colors. How it works is for every dollar you spend during Red Shopathon at Amazon.com slash red through December 31st, Bank of America will contribute the cost of a day's worth of life-saving AIDS medications up to a total of $1.5 million. So you can use your credit card to make purchases and earn those rewards that we talked about while still contributing to a worthy cause. Again, it's at Amazon.com slash red, and it runs through the end of the year. So, you know, as a matter of fact, you know, it's funny you're mentioning this. I was just on Amazon buying something. Um, and we don't really look at what is possible. And there's a really super good feeling about not just being part of the holiday for our family, but doing something good in the world. I think we are bringing, you know, I like to say we're bringing altruism back. I don't think it's ever left, but I've never seen it quite as, um, how should I say, motivational for people, whether it's crowdfunding or rewards. What are some of the, uh, shall I say, mistakes, although I don't like that word, but what are some of the potholes people might step in? It's a great question, Dr. Pat. A couple of things to watch out for is one, make sure that when you're choosing a credit card, you choose a card that gives rewards that fits how you make your purchases. So for example, if your holiday plans involve a lot of driving or you have a road trip um, or you do a lot of your holiday purchases at places like Costco or Sam's Club, the wholesale clubs, Consider what the Bank of America cash rewards card. The cash rewards card gives you 1% cash back on all the purchases that you make, but you get 2% back when you shop at a wholesale club and you get 3% cash back on your gasoline purchases. So if that's the type of spending you're doing over the holidays, that's the type of credit card for you. Alternatively, if you travel a lot via uh, airplane and stay at a lot of hotels, yeah. a travel rewards card might be the way to go. Our travel rewards card gives you one and a half points for every dollar you spend. You redeem your points against your travel expenses like airfare, hotel stays, and even those airline luggage fees that they charge now. There's no blackout dates and when you can redeem them. So making sure that you get the rewards program that aligns to how you spend your money is really important. And there's no annual fee on either of those cards that I just talked about. What I love, Kevin, about what you're talking about is I have a friend that it is it does masterfully exactly what you've talked about. And hence, the entire travel part of her holiday is fully paid for through rewards. And she started last year. So 
beyond the holiday, people can continue to look at this very closely in preparation for a future date they may need things. That's that's absolutely right. The the purchases are good throughout the year, and the the more uh, purchases, the more rewards you receive. The other thing um, yeah. that we encourage our customers to do, Doctor Pat, is look at to see if your bank has any hidden perks that can help with some of those uh, events, uh, the cost of events over the holiday season. Yeah. For example, the Bank of America Museums on Us program offers free general admission to over 175 museums if you're a Bank of America credit or debit card holder. It's the first full weekend of every month. All you have to do is show your Bank of America credit or debit card at over 175 museums and you get in for free. A couple in Rhode Island include the Providence Children's Museum and the Risney Museum as well. So it's a great opportunity to lower the cost of some great events over the holidays. You know, I I think that part of this is looking at, you know, creative and innovative ways. Now, you have you have probably the super cool one of the super cool jobs on the planet, right? Because you get to be immersed in what shopping ideas about saving money. Uh, This is very, very cool. But at the same time, this is also part of how to be effective, how to be efficient and how to be cost-saving through uh, Bank of America and what Bank of America does. So it's really a service that goes beyond the holiday, isn't it? Absolutely. You know, Bank of America is committed to making our customers' financial lives better throughout the year. So the, the tips we've been talking about are great ways to save money over the holidays, but it's also a great way to maximize the efficiency of your spend all, all day, every day throughout the whole year. And you can do well by doing good, by giving back to. It's, it's a great program. Wow. You, you know, I, I'm sure that there is so much more we can talk about. Um, and the, these interviews are, are so short. It's really incredible, though, to be able to know all these exist. The one thing I want to ask you about, you know, sort of in clo- closing here is people think that they have to do one or the other. And they've said, you know, folks have said this time and time again. They said, my gosh, I got to go over here and get this card. I got to go over there and get this card. But that's not necessarily true, is it? No, not at all. As I, as we mentioned on those two credit cards that we talked about, yeah. cash rewards or travel rewards, you're not restricted to any one airline or any one store. You'll get those rewards regardless of where you shop or how you shop. And so the savings can really add up over time. You can layer that on by being more loyal to various stores or airlines or hotels, but the underlying credit cards will give you rewards regardless of the decisions you make on where and how you spend your money. I want to touch, uh, go back and touch on one thing um, that you mentioned. We hadn't really talked about it. Uh, I want to talk ab- about the savings for gasoline in your car. Um, these mm-hmm. savings <clears throat> can be enormous. And uh, folks don't really think about it. They don't even plan ahead to say, oh, you know, I'm almost out of gas. Let me go over here and use this. Can you touch upon this? Because I don't think we make the connection with gas. And I think it's super cost effective. It really is. And gas is a significant portion of all of our budgets as we drive, especially over the holidays. The cash rewards card of Bank of America gives you 3% cash back on all your purchases at gas stations. So if you combine the cash rewards card with what many gas station chains offer, which is a loyalty program, you can multiply that 3% even higher. And don't forget, if you're enrolled in the Bank of America Preferred Rewards Program, you can receive a 75% bonus 
on that 3%. So that 3% can become over 5% if you're enrolled in our preferred rewards program. That plus the gas stations rewards program, the savings can really add up for something we all have to do every every day, which is drive our cars. Yeah, and you know, we're, we're actually doing a lot more of that than we did years ago. You know, Kevin, thank you so much for today. I do have one last question. What is your personal message? What would you like to leave us with? And please give out the website again. Sure. The the website is bankofamerica.com slash get more rewards. And the one, the one comment I'd leave you with is remember to consolidate your rewards programs to get the most benefit, layer those rewards where you can. And at this time of year, give back while getting rewards through the red shopathon at amazon.com slash red. I love it. Kevin, thank you so much for all that you do and happy holidays to you, your family and all your loved ones. Thank you very much. Happy holidays to you as well. Well, we're going to take a short break, everyone. Lots of information Kevin just shared. And we gave you the website, of course, for you to go take a look at bankofamerica.com slash get more rewards. Take a short break. We're not done. We're not done. We'll be right back. Hey, everybody. Welcome, welcome, welcome. You know, I am so thrilled to be bringing you another segment, another good news segment. You know, think about this. Here we are today. We're walking out in the world. We're trying to figure out what am I going to do for the holiday? How am I going to go? Where am I going to go? How do I make good decisions? What am I going to do? Which airline do I fly? Okay, what should I know about cars? How about cell phones? And if you're anything like me, you want a shortcut. Today, I am really thrilled to be talking with Christopher Elliott. Uh, and, and why is that? Because we're going to tell you all about Elliott.org, founded in 1997, a leading consumer advocacy site. Now, what does this mean? You all know that we have been advocates for all of you in the way of bringing you the best of the best. So why not talk to somebody that's out in the field identifying the best of the best? Christopher, great to have you here. Welcome to the show. Dr. Pat, it's great to be with you. Thanks for having me. Well, listen, the world we live in is filled with information. We sometimes think we know what to believe, what not to believe, but we are bombarded by choices. And the latest data says that moms over 35 years old are the number one fastest growing segment. I buy online. I am plugged in online. Uh, We have the largest percentage of cell phone usage in the world. So tell me, what should we tell everybody about the resources you've made available? Well, I run probably the largest consumer advocacy site uh, in the country. It's called Elliot.org, which is E-L-L-I-O-T dot O-R-G. And I specialize in helping people with often intractable consumer problems. So if you have a problem with any purchase at all, I mean anything, yeah. uh, chances are I've got someone who can help you fix it. And in, in order to get help, um, you can go to my site, go to Elliot.org forward slash help and fill in a form and I will get right back to you and collect all the information I need to maybe fix your problem. Um, now, I hear consumer complaints um, 11 months out of the year, actually technically 12 months out of the year. <laughs> but one of the things that I like to do instead of listening and fixing people's problems mm-hmm. is helping prevent those problems from ever happening. 
So about 13 years ago, I started what is now known as the Elliott Reader's Choice Awards. And it's a customer service award that allows my readers to nominate and then vote on their favorite company, the mm-hmm. one that provides the best service, the best product. And so that's exactly what I've got today. Today, I just like literally minutes before I went on the show with you, I pushed the button on the 2018 awards. The results are just in. Well, I mean, this is really for for folks wanting to get somebody uh, in an organization like yours to come to the forefront to give people objective information. Because buying is important for people, not just about what am I buying for the holidays, but what am I buying for my children? You know, what am I buying that, that I, I, I don't know what to do. I feel there's a sense of, of helplessness right now around buying choices. Doesn't your organization help mm-hmm. with that? Yeah, well, people are inundated with advertising messages, and they all mm-hmm. look great. Every product looks really yeah. great. <laughs> and uh, that's where this, you know, award comes in is that now we've narrowed it down to a short list of companies. We have 17 categories which does, sounds like a lot, but really it's not very many. No. Uh, we'll probably do more next year. Mm-hmm. And uh, they, these are the companies that you want to do business with, the ones that offer the best service, the best products, the best uh, customer service, too, uh, in case something does go wrong with the product. Now, let's just tell people a little bit, because this is important. I think we're all looking to find out what are the awards and, you know, what is it you look for? in an award, uh, because I, I think it's so important now to take a look at who's being recognized and who should we stay away from. So what are some of the categories? What are some of the, p- the categories and things that okay. you hold? Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, let's just go over that list then. I'll, yeah. I'll, t- I'll tell you who won, and then um, and then maybe we can also talk about a little bit about the, the ones that didn't do so well. Okay. Uh, for airlines, um, because I do so many airline uh. complaints, Southwest Airlines and Atlantic one, mm-hmm. Ford and Toyota in the car manufacturer category were at the top. Uh, Hertz for car rental company in the cruise line category. Royal Caribbean was mm-hmm. the top spot. Mm-hmm. Uh, ground transportation, Uber won despite all the controversy. Right. Marriott for hotel chains. Uh, everyone loves Marriott in the theme park category. We're only, we're one of the only ones who have a theme park category. And Epcot at Disney World was the favorite theme park. In the travel insurance slot, Allianz Global Assistance won. They're also a sponsor of this award. Mm-hmm. And a trip advisor for online travel agencies. Then we also have subscription TV, direct TV won there. Vacation rental, uh, Airbnb company you may have heard of. Yes. Very big now. Yep. And uh, finally, for uh, wireless companies, uh, Verizon Wireless got the top spot. Yeah, and you know what this says is the following. If you're making a decision about this and you have certain criteria, take a look at these awards and look at the criteria, look at what was said. And again, this is providing people with information. Can I ask you this question? What do you find are your top three ahas? Okay, so what do I mean by that? Is like, of course, this is your organization. Of course, this is your business. Of course, you're doing this. But even in the business I'm in, doing this 14 years, I do some shows and I'm like, what? What's your what? (laughs) Yeah, I was really surprised because this year the categories were so close. In, in some 
instances, we only had one or two votes separating the number one from the number two company. And in a couple of places, we had a three-way tie. What that says to me is that there's so much competition for your business now. The companies are really trying very hard to set themselves apart in the customer service category. Uh, whether or not they're succeeding is another issue entirely. If you read my site, Elliot.org, you'll see a lot of customer service horror stories. But they certainly are trying. You know, it's interesting because I, um, I've i just gone through something like this uh, where I worked with uh, a company that I've done business with for almost all my life. And when I really needed them for something, I was completely disappointed and didn't know where to go, didn't know what to do, and didn't know how to do it. And I don't think I'm alone. Uh, I don't think I'm one of these people that ended up with a service or a product and found no place to really go to get any real help. Isn't that also part of what your organization does? Is it gives people, at least if nothing else, an outlet for somebody to listen to what they have to say. Yeah, and the next time that happens, you, I hope you will go to my website, Elliot.org. I will, for sure. Form because I will, I will personally help you. Uh, this is... Unfortunately, it happens too often. Yeah. And uh, this is why I, I have a job is because people complain and customers don't listen. Or I should say companies don't listen to their customers. And when that happens, then uh, they have to turn to a third party. Going to court is sometimes really, really difficult. It's also expensive. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you need a, an advocate to be in your corner and to advocate for you. So that's what I do. Now, I would much rather send people to the good companies than have to deal with all these complaints about the bad companies. You know, it's empowerment, self-empowerment, is going to the companies that do good work. Um, and there's a saying, you know, I don't know if you've ever been to business school, but they, they say this in business school a lot, is the best customer is an informed customer. Yeah. They don't really mean that, though. They, <laughs> they don't mean it. They want people to stay dumb, and they don't want them to be empowered with information. And, but once they are, once they have this information that says, okay, here are the good companies, then they make good decisions. And I want your listeners to know that when you read this list, you're getting good information from real readers. The nomination process is pretty straightforward. You nominate it, you vote for it. And once, you, once we have that information, you can make great buying decisions too. You know, I love that you're talking about this because, you know, as a broadcast network and, you know, now after two and a half years of building technology, actually that doesn't exist in media, we're getting ready to unleash it. And in talking to one of the folks that just joined our network, we showed them everything about us. We even, we even said, let, let us show you the back end to demonstrate to you what we're going to do to provide you with service and reach to 90 other media outlets. And some people want it, Christopher, and some people don't. But we found exactly like what you're saying. We want people to know what they're stepping into for two reasons. One, we have nothing to hide. But two, maybe they're going to give us an idea that we didn't have. How important is that for organizations now to say, you know, we really do want your feedback? Um, it's easy. You can say it, but do you mean it? That's the question. Okay. And a lot of times you'll find that uh, that uh, companies will uh, post information on their website, mm -hmm. here's a form, fill this form out, or they'll have a social media presence, and then they 
won't respond or it will be a form response that is really meaningless. And so I think that it's really twofold. You have to say that you want the yeah. um, feedback from customers, yeah. but then you have to actually do something once they respond. And too few companies mm-hmm. actually do something when a company uh, when they're contacted by one of their mm-hmm. consumers. You know, you started this what in 1997, Christopher? You started this um, organization. Yeah, that's, I've been doing it. Okay, yeah. so you're you're kind of like me. You've probably been able to see the good, the bad, and the ugly over uh, you know the development and growth of the internet. What are your, if you had the personal buyer beware and personal buyer get excited about this moments? <laughs> the buyer beware moment. Gosh, I have one of those almost every day. <laughs> uh, if you if you go to my site uh, Elliot.org, you'll see all these stories. And like literally, I put up three stories a day at least um, on some kind of a customer service problem, yeah. something gone awry, and and I find myself going, gee, I wish I you know, I wish I'd been able to warn this customer about what what was about to happen to them. But the other thing that I see too, uh, that I think doesn't get mentioned very often, is people who get into a purchase, sign a contract without reading it, don't look at the fine print. And then they end up with a product that they weren't expecting. And the reason that they didn't expect it is that they didn't know. They did not do all of their due diligence. So what I would say to your listeners right now is, if you're considering making any kind of purchase, sure that you read that end user agreement or the contract of carriage or any, any agreement that you might sign. Read all of the fine print so that you know what you're getting yourself into. Because if you don't and you end up with a product with maybe a warranty that you didn't expect, um, you may end up coming to me for help. You know, I love your website, by the way, and I love the stories. And I just want to make sure everybody has it. Um, when you go to Elliot.org, I want to make sure everybody has the spelling. It's E-L-L-I-O-T-T dot org. And you're right. I mean, you yeah. know, what you provide is what people want. You know, they want to have a conversation, whether it's a digital media conversation, a story that you're telling, or a solution, and you kind of do it all. You know, what's on the horizon for you, if I can can ask you this question? What are you what do you have your sight on right now for where you want to go with this? Uh well, that's a great question. Um I think that I have that conversation with myself often. <laughs> right now I'm in the I'm in the thick of the uh, holiday buying season, so we're yeah. getting slammed yeah. with our help requests from people who maybe made a purchase that they didn't think they made or mm-hmm. wish they hadn't made. By the way, I should say that even if you didn't read all the fine print and you've got a problem, please contact me. I would love to try to help you. So, um, and beyond that, you know, things are getting crazy first of the year. You know, you have all those sales that start and then yeah. even more complaints coming in. Yeah. So I'm keeping very busy. Um, I've got a book proposal that's in the works. So that'll be my third book. Hopefully that'll be out sometime in 2019. And, you know, just, just doing whatever I can to help people. Do me a favor. Uh, I know you've written several books. And, you know, for sure, for people that are, are listening today, you know, you're somebody that has been out in the world. You write syndicated travel, troubleshooter. You, you know, you're USA Today, all of the above. And obviously, you're passionate about what you're doing. Um, please, how can people, again, find out more about you, find out more about this, uh, get copies of your book? And if you don't mind, 
What's your personal message? What would you like to leave us with? And thank you for your time today, and thank you for all that you're doing. Uh, yeah, you're very welcome. I really enjoyed our interview. Um, my website is Elliot.org. That's E-L-L-I-O-T-T dot O-R-G. The award to be looking for on that site is the 2018 uh, Elliot Customer Service Reader's Choice Award. It's brought to you by Allianz uh, Insurance. And my message would just be buyer beware. There's so much out there. You can read the stories on my site. Uh, they are cautionary tales. So if you're on the site and see something, um, it might actually apply to one of your future purchases. But if you do run into trouble, feel free to contact me. I answer all my emails personally. The uh, form is at elliot.org, E-L-L-I-O-T-T dot O-R-G forward slash help. Wow. Thank you, Christopher. Thank you so much for today. And thank you for all that you do. It's been amazing. Hey, everybody. Uh, thank you and welcome, 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 welcome to our good news segment. You know, many of you have said that the information we're bringing forward in these segments uh, is information they've not heard anywhere else or had the opportunity to kind of weigh in on and find out more. Today, Kathy Flora and Rebecca Nellis are joining me here today. Kathy, cancer survivor and career coach. Rebecca, executive director, cancer and careers. And today, what we're talking about is cancer patients' motivations to work. Does everyone want to work, or is there a bigger concern? Uh, welcome to both of you. Welcome, welcome to the show. This is a really important conversation, and I think you know our perception of what people want to do is uh, may or may not be correct. Welcome to the show. Thank, Thank you. you for having us. Um, let's start a little bit here, um, you know, with why we're having this conversation today. Um, and I want to start with you, Rebecca and Kathy, then we'll jump to you. You know, this is a conversation and people might ask, this is important. What is it that provides the greatest misunderstanding around cancer and careers? Sure. This is definitely important, or at least I think it is, um, because nearly 20 million people will be cancer survivors over the next decade. And so we're talking about a very large number of our population that's growing thanks to science and medicine evolving and outcomes being improved and people being diagnosed earlier. And that really brings up the, how does this impact the rest of my life? And for most of us, work is a huge piece of our lives. And so um, what's, what, what we find to be one of the most common misconceptions or assumptions that people make is that a person who's diagnosed doesn't want to work or can't work. Um, and that's not really where we want anyone to start the conversation around working cancer because it's so unique to an individual, their individual health situation, their individual recommendations from their doctor, their individual treatment protocol, and their specific job and the company that they work for. So with that many variables that are so personalized, it's very difficult to make an assumption like you can't work or you don't want to work. Right. Right. And, you know, any, any, any one of us that have had, that has had a chronic illness, I mean, uh, especially when I was going through this myself, uh, working provided me 
a different level of motivation and more importantly, inspiration. Kathy, what have you found for this? Well, as a, both as a cancer survivor and a career coach working with cancer and careers, um, I have found that most people find value in their work. For me, mm-hmm. it was my sanctuary. It was where I felt normal. It was where I was able to still contribute. It was where I felt powerful when everything else was making me feel powerless over certain aspects of my life. And that routine of going in every day, of checking in every day, of working on something that had continuity, kept my focus off my health and allowed me to stay positive that I did have a future and that I had something to contribute. That mattered to me. And it matters to the people that I coach on cancer and careers. Wow. Uh, You know, now let's talk about the survey if we could, right? Because Cancer and Careers commissioned Harris Poll to conduct a survey so that we can better understand the experience of cancer patients and survivors within the workplace. And I think folks are going to be interested in this for a lot of reasons. Uh, Rebecca, let's go through. Here's my question for you. What are some of the things you thought, yeah, of course. And what are some (laughs) of the things you thought... Uh, wow, I had no idea. (laughs) (laughs) That's such a great way to ask that question. I love that. So my YAV courses are things like 65% of respondents said work helped them cope. Yes, of course, because work is so much more than just a single thing to us. Other yes, of courses, it, it helped them feel normal and productive, provided a routine, kept their mind off cancer. So all of those things that Kathy just said about her own experience, the research also bears out. And I would say we do this survey, a variation on it every year, and we always hear those things come through. Of course, health insurance and a paycheck also very important, but all but it's so much more. It's a it's a more holistic experience, what work means to people. So that really falls into my YAV course category. And then a couple things that I found sort of interesting uh, that I wouldn't have necessarily totally guessed in the survey. One of them was that Employed and unemployed survivors know that an employer cannot discriminate against them because of a cancer diagnosis. That true-false question was answered 89% correctly, but 22% of them think an employer can require them to disclose their diagnosis before hiring them. So though they know they can't be discriminated against, they think there's still a requirement to disclose, and there actually isn't a requirement to disclose. So one of the things I took away from that And what's so great about doing survey work is we travel across the country all year long and work with individuals and groups all over the U.S., which is such a privilege. But it's all anecdotal. So, you know, I I get a sense of what's happening, but I don't have a percentage that I can wrap around it to help people really understand. So this data point really supports things that, yes, I hear in the community, but in such a stark way. 22% of people think they have to tell what's going on with their health to a prospective employer. And so one of the first things I want to do is miss bust that (laughs) Um, and make sure people know that they have choice in disclosure. Well, part of this too is when we're looking at this information, there hasn't been, except now today, we're giving people a place to go. There hasn't been, well, wait a minute, I don't even know who to ask. I mean, do I run down to HR and say, hey, I have cancer. What should I do? 
I mean, I think this is part of the confusion for people. You know, uh, Kathy, from your point of view, when when you hear that diagnosis, I'm not sure if we all think, oh, my gosh, how is it going to affect my job? Right. We don't. Um, well, maybe we do. But the most important thing is, how is it going to affect my livelihood? Isn't that right? I mean, what did you experience with this? And what did you what were your thoughts about work? Well, you know, it was really interesting. It's always devastating to get that diagnosis. It's devastating. And I remember mm-hmm. staying up practically all weekend after I heard the news, and then I was going to go in and talk to the surgeon that Monday, trying to read and gather information about breast cancer, because that was my primary concern. But then also, work was such a major part of my life. I kept mulling these questions about, am I going to be able to keep working? Or how am I going to keep my job and still be able to afford the health insurance that I carried on my um, my job because we had better insurance through my employer than yeah. my husband did. And all those things were keeping me up at night, to tell you the truth. It's important for people to know that they do have somewhere to go. And I was so grateful to Cancer and Careers. I am grateful that we now have the ability to spread the word about this because there's lots and lots of resources and lots of information now available to people. Yeah. Rebecca, let's make sure folks have the uh, the, the website where they can find out all of the details of what we're talking about here today. It's cancerandcareers.org. Uh, cancerandcareers, with an S, uh, dot O-R-G. Um, question, question for you, Rebecca, and Kathy for you as well. Um, a lot in the media right now about healthcare, no healthcare, uh, uh, everything from reduced healthcare, especially on various ages, including now Medicare and Medicaid on the table. Does this concern people? Was that something your survey looked at at all? It was. It was very important to us that we add that into the survey, which is the beauty of being able to do something every year is to be able to both get information Mm -hmm. over time, but also drop in really key issue areas to get some feedback from our community. And it is a concern. And and I know, you know, it's a delicate conversation because, of course, it's political, but we talk about it Mm -hmm. in a very not political way, right? So it's about the fact that almost half of employed patients and survivors who responded to the survey felt they need to stay at their current workplace because they need health insurance. So the tie to their job right now, again, is around health insurance, which used to be a very common reason people stayed at work. And then with new paths to access over the last few years, that had loosened. And now we see that concern back again. We also saw that more than half 53% actually of cancer patients and survivors are concerned about limited healthcare access because of policy changes. So they're worried about the pre-existing condition situation and whether that will still be something that they're, that, that isn't an issue anymore. They're worried about lifetime limits and annual caps and if those things are going to change again, because all of that has a real practical, functional impact on a person who's been diagnosed with cancer. So it's sort of where we get into the space where it's less about, you know, what's the back and forth in Washington and more about how does that change day-to-day life for an individual. 
Well, I, I think it's enormous. I mean, because I was looking at some of the information, uh, you know, people think, well, wait a minute. I think I think there I saw a number that said 53 percent uh, currently feel well enough. Right. To continue mm-hmm. to work. But let's just be clear about that. Forty seven percent. Where are they? They don't. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. So. Right. So, I mean, you're splitting hairs. Half the people. Right. And and we all know. Yeah. Dr. Pat, those that are looking for work because they may have stopped out for some reason. um, This is anecdotal, not the survey. But when I work with them as a career coach, main reason they want to go back to work is so that they can work with an employer that will provide them with health insurance. Yes, they want to work for lots of other reasons, but when you've been out of work and you may not have your insurance anymore or you're paying for COBRA, you've got to find a way to get it. I know in my own case, um, I stopped out after a while because I got laid off at the end of my treatment, and I had Mm -hmm. to go find insurance on the open market. My husband and I paid $700 a month for it until I got myself reemployed. That's a lot of money, people. I paid Mm $1,100. Yeah. Eleven hundred yep. a month here, yeah. Uh, but then you know, without getting political, once uh, the healthcare bill, affordable healthcare, my insurance company had to drop it to eight hundred, eight hundred a month. Why do we do that? Because we really do need to do it. Uh, and I think your survey is really pointing to how to create a sense of wellness for people, regardless of what they're facing. Um, it's stressful enough to take on the journey of healing. And for people that remain in the workplace for whatever reason, they certainly must be facing other challenges, other discrimination factors. What, did, did you uh, discover any of this? So the survey certainly touched on a wide range of challenges, but what I will tell you Mm -hmm. since you've brought it up is one of the key issues is a gap in information, which is why Mm -hmm. we work so hard to partner with other organizations in the cancer community to get the word out in every way we can think of because it's that information gap that creates real issues for people over time. So you bring up discrimination and there are laws that are designed to protect people from that obviously complicated and and it requires some thought and some help and support, but most people don't even realize that they may be protected by a law that would then help them have this conversation and help them work through treatment or return to work afterwards. And so really beginning to put the one foot in front of the other in terms of helping people build up to information that will be useful to them is so critical because when you don't know something, it makes it really, really hard to navigate yourself in the best possible way. And so we're trying to close that information gap so that people can really protect themselves, make the decisions that work best for them, feel some power and control over their own life and their own circumstances, work if they want to for whatever the reason is driving them to do that, help employers and healthcare providers not make assumptions about what an employee or a patient wants to do, but really begin to change that conversation. Yeah. I mean, this is so important. And, you know, first of all, thank you so much for being here and thank you so much for what you're doing in this arena. Um, For those people that are going to be hearing this, 
they're probably thrilled to know there's a place they can go. Please, how can people find out more about the survey? Um, but also, how, they, how can they find out more about getting some coaching and mentoring around this? Because I think this sometimes is a really lonely journey. Absolutely. So the Cancer and Careers website will both provide more information on the survey and information around the issues around work and cancer, but really it's designed to be the gateway to all of our free programs and services that people can access to help them wherever they are in the work piece of their cancer journey. So if they go to cancerandcareers.org, they will see the career coaching site where they can get advice and information from coaches like Kathy, a free resume review service. Um, information on how to think about disclosure at work and how to manage difficult situations, overview information on the laws and places to go for more help around that. So it really is the gateway to accessing in-person, virtual, reading material, everything. Awesome. Well, I want to thank you. I know we're, we've kind of run out of time, but really quickly, personal message from both of you or each of you rather, what's, what do you want to leave us with? I'll just leave anybody who's going through this experience um, with the word to stay strong and understand that cancer may change some things for you, but it does not steal who you are. And I would say to remember that you do have control and a voice and decisions you can make that speak to your goals and values, and we want to help you realize that. Wow. Thank you so much for everything that you do. Thank you both. Thank you for having us. Mm-hmm. We're going to take a short break, everyone. Please make sure you check out uh, more information about how you can get some support. We're going to take a short break. We'll be right back. Hey, everybody. Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is part of our good news segment. You know, many of you have heard me talk about the journey of my sister who died on a hospital floor at 450 pounds. So you wonder sometimes how that gets to happen. Well, my sister was not alone and is not alone in the United States today. We are, as Americans, battling what it means to be overweight or obese. Now, how is it we can take back our lives? How can we learn how to take control? Dr. Matthew Pittman joining me here today Northwestern, Northwestern Medicine, uh, Del Nor Hospital Medical Director. And here's what I want to say. Today's show is to just start at the beginning. It's the way that we get to take one step at a time. But what Dr. Pittman has for us today is how we can do it. Welcome to the show, Dr. Pittman. Thank you so much for having me. Um, this is really a conversation that is a long time coming, and uh, there are many, many phases and aspects to it. I, I want to ask you, uh, this has to be super important to you. Why is that? What got you on this pathway to help people with this? That is a very, very great question. Not one I get asked very often. Mm. Um so, you know, obviously coming from a surgical background, uh, my initial uh, interests were, were mainly in surgery. And in surgery, typically, there's a acute problem, you fix the problem, and that's pretty much the end of it. Where bariatric surgery was different was the first time that I could see utilizing surgery to help with chronic 
uh, chronic health concerns for patients and a situation where I get to maintain relationships with my patients uh, uh, for their life. And uh, it's a really rare uh, blessing that, uh, that, I, that I really appreciate being able to do. Um, and from there, it's just kind of expanded. You know, obviously, you know personally as well as many of your listeners know, this is a big, big problem um, that that's going to require a, a complex uh, approach and and uh, a multitude of uh, of, of assistance uh, to help these people. And so, I hope to be part of it. Yeah, uh, and, and I'm so glad you are. Let's let's get some statistics for folks. You know, we know sure. that we have been growing as a society that is considered overweight or obese. But what exactly, or where rather, are we on the continuum? How many people are are considered to be obese or overweight? Currently in the United States, it's now over 70% is considered to be overweight or obese. Mm -hmm. And those numbers have just grown every single year for the past few decades. We can, we've, you can go to the CDC website and you can actually see by state the percentage of the population, uh, which, uh, which uh, was obese and the numbers just grow and grow every year. Mm. Um, I want to ask you this question. Uh, what is it about this, uh, as Americans? that we don't see the health impact of it. You know, yeah, fine, yeah. I'm overweight, I'm obese, but uh, I'm okay, though. I'm in great shape. There's nothing wrong with me. Can you talk to that yeah. comment, please? Sure. You know, and I think uh, part of the problem is that we've separated uh, being overweight or obese from the health implications yeah. of it. Some of it's probably from the stigma that's been associated with people who are overweight, which unfortunately has, has drug us back up for quite some time. And so instead of viewing this as a disease process, one with some pretty, uh, you know, morbid outcomes, if we don't correct it, we've looked at it as, uh, you know, a cosmetic issue, which is, is certainly not how we should be viewing it. Um, this, is, this is a real problem with some pretty serious uh, health implications, and, and we need to view it as such. You know, um, earlier I said, listen, we can take this one step at a time. So today you're going to share some tips with us because, you know, sometimes the attitude is, you know what, I'm already overweight. Why should I care? But there are some things we could do over the holidays, especially. What have you learned? Absolutely. And, and, and holidays are the worst. Yeah. Um, you know, it's a tough place. It's a tough place to start because there's more temptations at holidays than any other time of the year. Yeah. <laughs> Emotions run high. There's, there's food and alcohol and whatnot everywhere. Um, and it is also meant to be a joyous occasion. So you want to celebrate, you want to participate. Um, uh, but it's also a really good place to start making some of those early changes now that you can then carry with you into, uh, into the times where the temptations are maybe not so prevalent. Um, we've got a fantastic dietitian, uh, Audra Wilson here at Delnor, who's really laid out some healthy eating tips for our, for our patients that we, that we give them around this time of the year. Uh, some of the ones she starts with is, is first and foremost, don't skip meals. You know, a lot of times we think that if we skip breakfast or we skip lunch, then we can have those extra calories at the big dinner that we're going to. 
And what happens is you approach that dinner so uh, so hungry that it's very easy to make some poor decisions and end up eating a lot more calories than you probably would have. So getting a nice healthy breakfast of a you know a low fat yogurt or a turkey sausage, keeping mm-hmm. some healthy protein based snacks around. Especially, I don't know if your office is like mine, but there is big Ugh. good everywhere you turn over the holidays. Ugh. And if you're sitting there hungry, I mean, all of us, you're going to turn and grab that because it's accessible. And so just preparing, you know, basically having a mental plan for how I'm going to navigate through this is going to make it much less stressful. It's going to make it seem less daunting. And it's going to give you uh, some armor when you come against these temptations. Yeah. At what Another point? Another good tip. She, yeah, oh, I'm ahead. sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. Uh, another good tip that Sheila likes to mm-hmm. tell people, especially if you're going to house parties, and I love this one, is <laughs> offer to bring a dish. Because mm-hmm. one, your host is going to love that you offered to help, but two, it gives you control over at least one of the dishes at the table. And so if you can make your own healthy vegetable dish that you enjoy eating anyways, that's one less stressor. So at least a good portion of your meal can be made out of something that you know you like and is also going to be healthy. You know, I have learned that one myself because, you know, when you get there, it's always the idea of, wait a minute, I don't really have any choices and I'm hungry. I didn't eat. But also really to eat before you actually go to holiday events. Um, Sure. That's also important. But what you're talking about is really taking one step at a time. At what point, Dr. Pittman, at what point do you say, you know, I'm just not doing it for, you know, I just cannot get it managed. When should, when yep. should people consider medical or surgical options? I think if you're considering it, it's time. And yeah. so keep, keep, people know, they know their struggles. They know that they've tried, you know, Weight Watchers and everything else, and they're just not getting to where they want to be. If you're considering it, it's time to help because you're not alone. We have so many resources to offer the medical community. Uh, look, over the last uh, couple decades has realized what a problem this is and realized that we need to take ownership of it and help our patients with this. So look for those resources. Talk to your primary care doctor, whether it's just getting in touch with a dietitian to help you work on some meal planning, whether it's maybe utilizing some weight loss medications, or in some cases, whether it's worth considering surgery, you know, we've, we've got those resources for you and, and you don't have to go it alone. Yeah. Uh, one of the things that I see is or looking for are what are some of the trends? What are we doing differently now than we did years ago? People want to say, you know, it's the carbohydrate thing. Others want to say, yeah, sugar is the thing. It's in everything. What should people look at when they're like, OK, I'm going to go buy this? You know, of course, read yeah. the labels. But there's really a kind of sugar in disguise, so to speak. You know, it's got its Halloween costume on all the time. Yep, you're exactly <laughs> right. I think to look at any one element and say that's the cause is is too simplistic. Yeah. We know that this that this disease process comes from a lot of sources. Yes, food choices is a big one. The way our foods are prepared now is definitely different. Our lifestyles have changed. You know, we're we're working more hours. We're having less time for exercise. We're less active overall. There's certainly genetic components involved with weight gain. Um, you know, and we start looking at all these elements, and uh, and it does require changes in a lot of things. Um, First and foremost, I think we have to look at um, the types of foods we're choosing um, and our portion sizes. I think that's a really good place to start. 
Yeah. I, you know, what's interesting I've learned over time is if I'm going to beef up my portion size, I'm doing it on the protein aspect of it. Um, exactly. And, yeah. And, you know, it's interesting when we think about that. Uh, there's something that happens when we look at the proportion of food. And if you're active like I am, uh, especially a couple days a week, you know, after I'm done uh, exercising, you know, in the sport that I love, uh, I've got yep. to eat something, but I don't need to eat a exactly. donut. <laughs> no, you're exactly right. You're exactly right. And 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 what people don't realize is if they did a protein based snack, that takes protein takes longer to digest. So yeah. you overall feel full longer. You know, that donut or that bag of chips that you grab is a quick fix, but those mushy uh, kind of carbohydrates, they go right through your stomach. They don't let you feel full very long, and you're going to feel hungry right away again. And they're high in calorie without mm-hmm. a lot of nutrients. Wow. Let, let's do this. Um, what's the best way for people to find out more about this, more about you, and how to make these decisions, which are life-changing? Absolutely. So if they go to nm.org forward slash radio, they're going to see a couple links on there. The first one is to our weight loss program here at Northwestern Medicine. It really goes through all of kind of the typical surgical options, all of the medical weight loss options, and give them a good overview of a lot of the uh, resources available to them in, throughout most of the country. The second link on there is a really good one for the holidays. That's the healthy eating tip for the holidays from our dietitian, Audra Wilson, who breaks it down to five or so easy kind of quick tips that you can use to to feel like you've got a little strength in in combating all these temptations over the holidays. Uh, And, you know, this is really kind of the last question I have. I know we've got about a minute or so left. Long-term, short-term. You know, sometimes we think, You know, I just got to take off a few pounds to get in that piece of clothing. But are there differences in how you recommend the approach? Absolutely. You know, when we focus on a diet for a vacation or a diet for an event, it's short term and you're going to rebound from that. These fat Mm -hmm. diets are are not going to work long term. We need to approach weight loss as a lifelong goal that I'm going to work on eating healthier and exercising more for the rest of my life not for a short time or not by doing a quick diet. That's really the only way to make sure that we maintain long-term success. Mm. Well, thank you so much for today. One last question. What's your personal message? What would you like to leave us with today? So I think for most patients, for most people out there, know that you're not alone. This is the same struggle that 70% of America is going through and that there's help out there. And so reach out. I love it. Thank you, Dr. Pittman. For those of you out there, please make sure you think about this over the holiday season and make sure that you make the choices for yourself, for your lives, for your family. Thank you, Dr. Pittman. Happy holidays. Thank you so much. Happy holidays to you.